Hello, welcome to Solitary Confinement, episode 2, We Lied. I'm Ethan. I'm Anthony. And also joining us today is Evan. Hello. Today we'll be talking about The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Rebecca Skloot. The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks is about a woman named Henrietta Lacks, uh, an African-American woman who was diagnosed with cancer in the 50s and had her cervical cells uh, stolen without her permission, and those cells went on to start a medical revolution. Well, it wasn't just about Henrietta and her cells. It was also about her life and her children's lives. Even then, it was also about the author, Rebecca Skloot and her story about trying to find all the information and getting in contact with the family. And along with that, it elaborates upon the stories and lives of other people who could be considered unimportant to the story, but actually help to give context or provide parallels to the story that's being told. Rebecca Skloot often uses different chapters in order to space out these different narrative threads, perhaps having one chapter dedicated to Henrietta's early life and then transitioning to Henrietta's cancer diagnosis in the next chapter. She also mixes chapters of her story into the story of the Laxes and Henry the Cells. The first chapter of the book is a chapter focused on her and why she undertook the task of uncovering the story of Henry the Lax. She talks about how she was in community college class and learned about Henrietta Cells, widely known as Hela Cells. She wanted to know more about the person behind the cells, unfortunately, next to no one she asked knew anything about whose cells they were. The only clue she got was from her biology textbook, a small caption with the name Henrietta Lax. However, Skloot wanted to know more about this mysterious Henrietta Lacks, and that journey has been documented in this book, along with all of the information she learned about Henrietta and her family, the Lacks's. In the beginning of the novel, the story of the Gila cells is intertwined with the story of the latter portion of Henrietta's life. She learns that she has cancer after feeling a knot inside of her, but she keeps it a secret from nearly everyone, routinely going to John Hopkins for treatment. During that treatment, Howard Jones, her surgeon, took some of her cervical cells and gave them to a doctor named George Guy. Guy was able to take these cells, labeled as HeLa for Henrietta Lacks, and grow them indefinitely, which had never been done with human cell culture before. After this discovery, he began handing HeLa cells out to colleagues around the world in order to replicate this discovery and begin research on those cells. Meanwhile, Henrietta's cancer had only gotten worse. Only once the cancer had confined her to bed does she tell anyone. Uh, even then, she only tells a few people, such as her friends and her husband. She lies in a hospital bed at John Hopkins for days, constantly in excruciating pain. Finally, on October 4th, 1951, Henrietta Lacks passes away. Her cells, however, lived on around the world as the Gila cells that Guy had propagated. These cells would go on to be used in many ways. They were used to develop vaccines such as the polio vaccine, a vital necessity during the time. They were also used to study how genes developed and expressed themselves. There were also some terrible things done with the cells as well. Thousands of patients were unwillingly injected with Gila cells by a doctor named Chester Salvin in order to study the transmission and contraction of cancer. This eventually caused many moral quandaries, ultimately leading to many new laws being developed and inf about informed consent and human experimentation. 
Tequila cells also contaminated thousands, if not millions or billions of cell cultures around the world, leading to tens of millions of dollars in wasted research, along with a wasted decade of study. Ultimately, however, HeLa cells led to an innumerable amount of advancements in the field of medicine, saving and improving the lives of millions. The Lax family, however, had next to no knowledge of this. After the death of Henrietta, the Lax children were often left in the care of what was essentially an evil aunt. She treated them terribly and allowed them to be exposed to traumatizing conditions. The Laxes only learned about the Gila cells when interviewers hunted the Laxes down in order to learn more about Henrietta. They were also taken advantage of by Victor McCusick, who took blood samples from them in order to study genes from Gila. The Laxes thought they were being tested for cancer, which ultimately led to a lot of stress. The Laxes were also nearly scammed by Conan Kester Cofield, who posed to be a doctor and a lawyer in order to gain access to Henrietta's medical records. The Laxes initially thought that Cofield was going to help them sue John Hopkins, in order to gain compensation for all the cells that were sold and profited from without the Lax's knowledge. However, his true intentions later became clear and he didn't get the records. Uh, despite this, uh, a large amount of paranoia was sown in the Lax family, especially with Deborah Lax, the youngest daughter of Henrietta, and seemingly the most affected by anxiety and paranoia, which ultimately leads us to Rebecca Scoot's involvement in the Lax's lives. To find out more about Henrietta and the Laxes, Scoot is able to make contact with Deborah Lax, who is initially excited to talk to Scoot about Henrietta and the cells. However, soon after that, Deborah calls again and tells Scoot not to talk to her about Henrietta or Gila until she talks to her brothers and her father. This leads Scoot on a journey through Virginia from a place called Turner Station to Laxtown in Clover, where Henrietta grew up. Scloot talks to many of the Lax's relatives, learning about Henrietta and her early life. Eventually, Scloot is able to meet up with Deborah's brother and her father. Through this, she's able to learn more about how the Laxes feel about Gila cells. They are generally angry that John Hopkins took the cells without permission, especially considering that they didn't gain any money from these cells. After talking with and interviewing the Laxes for a few weeks, Scloot is finally able to talk with Deborah. Deborah isn't angry about the cells like her siblings are. She just wants to know about them and know about Henrietta, since she was just a toddler when Henrietta died. Opening up to and trusting Scoot, however, is still hard for Deborah due to the problems that the openness has caused in the past. Over a few months, Deborah and Scoot collaborate on learning about Henrietta and teaching Deborah about the Gila cells and their history, as we have learned. Despite the many bumps in the road, so to speak, Deborah and Scoot eventually learn a lot about Henrietta and her cells' journey. Scoot even takes Deborah to see Gila cells in person at John Hopkins and helps to improve Deborah's trust of doctors and scientists. Not only that, but Scoot also helps Deborah learn about what happened to her sister, Henrietta's eldest daughter, Elsie. She was born with a mental complication and was sent to a mental institution. She died in the institution at age 15, apparently due to poor and abusive conditions in the hospital. Rebecca Slew's journey to write this book is a wild one and spreads across many years and many miles uh, through the eastern U.S. It features many cyclical trails of information, paranoid confrontations, and a soul cleansing. It's genuinely interesting the lengths that she went to to write this book. The rest of the book is very interesting as well, and if you want, you should give it a read. Thank you.
So, since the narrative is split up into so many different narrative threads, the chapter transitions from thread to thread are a really good way to make sure the reader can easily follow along with the different timelines without getting confused. Along with this, there is a literal timeline at the top of each new chapter page, which tells the reader where in time the chapter is taking place, further helping the reader's understanding of the different narratives. The chapter separation also helps with the different narratives becoming intertwined and intersecting, because it helps to separate new ideas from the current ones. Also, Scoot made sure not to change the names of people or places or anything of the sort in this book. It's purely and completely non-fictional, which really shows the reader how dedicated and faithful Scoot was to the story of Hela and the Laxes. So, for instructionally mandated to, we are going to rate the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. We're going to use our classic rating scale, which we've always used, and haven't just borrowed from one comic. Hats. I'd say that this book is about 7 out of 10 hats. It's very engaging and enjoyable to read pretty often, but there are some slower parts that can make reading it seem like a bit of a slog. Overall, pretty good read. Once again, 7 out of 10 hats. So, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks is a book about the woman who had her cells taken involuntarily, leading to a medical revolution. It is also about that woman and her family and how those cells affected them, causing so much turmoil just because the cells were taken without permission. It is also about the book's own creation and the author's quest to write it. Its structure helps to simultaneously tie together and separate these stories when it is necessary. The book is also engaging and interesting to read, and it's pretty educational at the same time. A recommended read for those who are interested. Now, it's quiz time! Once again, due to mandatory instructions, we're going to have a quiz with you, the audience. Question 1. How does Rebecca Skloot separate the narrative threads into easily distinguishable plot lines? If you guessed by using chapter transitions, then you're correct. Question two. What did we rate this book? If you guessed seven hats out of ten, then you're correct. Final question. What topic of medical debate does this novel cover? You guessed ethics, or informed consent, or permission, then you're correct! Well, that's all we have today. Thanks for tuning in to the unexpected second episode of Solitary Confinement. Also, thanks to Evan for starring on our little podcast. <coughs> As always, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.